0: Hey everybody, Jason here. Normally this would be a listener feedback episode, but that's actually going to happen next week. I decided instead to put out a session recap episode because I have three fun sessions I want to talk about. There is gratuitous dog barking in the beginning of the show, so be aware of that. Also, I downplay Otto the Dwarf's involvement in the Dungeon Crawl Classics game. When we fought the big monster at the end, he did hit it and get a critical. That would have killed it in eight rounds. I think a D8 rounds, according to the, the rules. But that's not really important, because my wizard stole the hero. Again, these are spoiler-free recaps, so don't worry about listening to the show. Okay, let's get into it. What well, pocket's up a beer or a cold libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro
1: to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said, I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month or movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, Contest and the course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast.
0: Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG VarietyCast. I'm your host, Jason. Today, it's all spoiler reek, all spoilers. <laughs> it's no spoilers. Spoiler-free episode. Well, that's not true. There's some spoilers, I guess, for the Pathfinder 2 Adventure Path, the Abomination Vaults. Carl, and I- Carl Rodriguez and I are going to talk about that together here in the episode. So I guess maybe there are a few little spoilers... For the very beginning of that episode. Or very beginning of that adventure path. But it's it's nothing too bad. Um, as far as the other recaps I'm going to do. They will be spoiler free. I will talk about the One Ring 2nd Edition. An adventure I believe that Arnold Walker has created whole cloth on his own. It's possible he's adapted off something else. But you know, it's not an adventure included in the, the One Ring 2E set to my knowledge. So, And the other one will be the... Free RPG Day 2021 Dungeon Crawl Classics Adventure, Temple of the Savage Kings, a second level adventure written by Steven Newton. I will not give any spoilers on that, but I will point you towards a podcast that does give spoiler and detailed review of that module, so you you have the best of both worlds. You can hear spoiler-free here, or you can go to a different podcast to hear all the gory details. Before I go into these recaps, I want to remind you that time is running out to enter my contest. I've got a contest going on right now. All you have to do is reach out to me, let me know what your favorite tabletop game initiative system is and why, and your least favorite tabletop game initiative system is and why. You can send me an email, you can send me a message on Anchor, you can attach an audio file to an email, you can reach out to me on Discord, it doesn't matter. Just let me know your favorite and least favorite initiative system. It could be board games, card games, miniature war games, RPGs, doesn't matter. Just no video games or VTTs. And anyway, Hal, let, let me know your favorites and your least favorites, why, and I will enter your name in the drawing. The drawing is for a $20 RPG, now, RPG now, drive through RPG gift certificate, and a $25 donation to the charity of your choice. So, you know, easy contest, great prizes. But the deadline is the full moon, 20 October, this coming Wednesday. So get me those entries, and I will... And, It's a random drawing for the winner, so the content you send me, you're not going to be judged or anything. I'll just play all the entries or read the entries that are text in the award show, and then I'll draw a random number to determine the winner. So get those entries in. Okay, let's get to these session recaps. The first, I'm going to talk about the One Ring Second Edition run by Arlen Walker of Live from Pelham's Wasteland. And this is a great game. I'm not going to go very depth here because... Unfortunately, this game runs every Saturday. My work schedule only lets me get there every other Saturday. But they're kind of chasing down this murderer who had killed a couple of rangers. And and this guy had gone into an outlaw village. And the 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 overall story is he's gone into this outlaw village and he's given them information on a local town. And the outlaws are getting ready to outlaw village, an outlaw encampment with like 100 outlaws in there. And they And they're getting ready to come and attack this local town, and so the players were tasked by that town and by Bjorn from the Hobbit to track this out this murder down and bring him back. Well, they do that and and they so they go, they encounter a group of these bad guys, these outlaws, they fight them, kill them, get into the town- actually they don't kill them all they they capture one, interrogate him, that's how they found out. How many people are in the outlaw encampment? They move forward and scout the encampment out. A couple disguise themselves as outlaws using the outfits from the dead outlaws and go into the encampment to track this guy down. He's like a 1920-year-old kid that had murdered these rangers and defected. And when I say a hundred outlaws, that's including like women and children. So it's not a hundred fighting men, but plenty of fighting men. But many more than our little force could take. Our group, I'm playing a Hobbit Bungo. There's also a Dwarf who's kind of a scholar. There's Maddie barking in the background. There's like Human Ranger. There's a man from Bree. It's a pretty, inter- and I know I've lost something. There's an elf. There, There's it's an interesting combination. Great group of players. I really love the players in this game. Lots of fun. Anyhow, they, they, through Skullduggery, they find out that our our is out walking through the woods right now with one of the outlaws. So we go track them down in the woods, kill the guys with, grab this guy, convince him that he really doesn't want to have the outlaws attack and, you, you know, destroy his hometown. He agrees. So he goes back to the outlaw leader to give him misinformation while we rush to the town to set the defenses of the town for the inevitable attack. And then we ended the session with the party in the town fortifying to it in my Hobbit, on a pony rushing to Bjorn to let him know so he can send the cavalry, send some reinforcements, because I won't be there next session, so it made sense for Mahab to go alone to get reinforcements, while next session, of course, they'll be defending the town, waiting for the cavalry to show up. Um, like I say, great group of guys. The rules are pretty good. I mean, I'm a hardcore Middle Earth role-playing by Iron Crown Enterprise from the 80s. I'm a big defender of that system, love that system. But I will admit, the One Ring Second Edition does feel like Middle Earth. It it would be, if you don't own a Middle Earth game, and you don't have thousands of dollars to buy Middle Earth role-playing, you would not do wrong by buying the One Ring and playing that to, to get your Middle Earth on. Let me deal with my dog, and I will give you the next recap. Okay, let's talk really quickly about Temple of the Savage Kings. Again, I will not talk about the adventure here. The the only thing I will say, and this is obvious from all the marketing, this is, it's not Egyptian-themed, but it's kind of faux-Egyptian-themed, right? It it leans heavily into the Mummy movies, the Universal and Hammer mummy, Mummy movies. There's a lot of Easter eggs in here, names that you'll recognize and some set pieces you'll recognize from those movies if you're familiar with them, so any fan of you know, nineteen thirty two mummy, its sequels, and the hammer horror mummy movies will definitely or even the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies will recognize some names and, you know, see some Easter eggs. So it's neat from that point of view. But there's a great review of our adventure over at the Arcane Aliens Podcast and the link is in the show notes. Go listen to that for what actually happened. But what one thing BJ, the host of that um, podcast did is he downplayed the importance of my character so so I just want to talk about that for a minute, but it 's spoiler free so it won't ruin your 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 appreciation of the module if you run out and buy it now that free RPG day is over so it 's kind of funny that normally in our dCC game because basically all the players except Arlon Walker were able to make the session of free RPG day, so we were able to play in this this adventure you know for free RPG day. And normally in our game, now that we've, we've gone through... The, in the regular game, we've gone through a portal, and we're in this green world with vegetation and plant monsters. And BJ over at Arcanalian is playing a, a cleric. And his priest is able to cast all kinds of great spells. He's been really lucky with his die rolls. And so we joke that his god is very favorable to this environment where my wizard... Has been rolling like crap and has been losing spells and just, you know, losing initiative and just rolling really badly while we've gone through that portal. So we've been saying that his patron, you know, wizards get patrons like where they can get spells from and call on for favors. Well, my patron is Ozzy Hakka. He's the, um, the demon sultan of the sands and waste and he wants to cover the world in sand. It's chaotic, you know, kind of evil deity. And, Anyway, so we've said my patron has abandoned me and sh- shown my wizard disfavor because I'm in this green land and moved away from the desert. Well, in this adventure, which is kind of Egyptian themed and so obviously, you know, kind of sand related, I rolled like hotcakes. I rolled like wildfire during, during this entire one shot. I was, you know, I was showing you what a fifth level wizard can really do. You know, I was when I was casting scorching Ray, I was getting two or three rays at a time, you know, rolling. You know, 2d12 or 4d12. I was rolling tons of damage. I was when I cast the fly spell, I was able to cast on two people to fly for 11 hours. You know, just crazy stuff. I was I was rolling really well. All my initiatives were like 17, 18s, like the entire game. Where BJ, his priest, was rolling horribly. He he got disfavor from his patron. He was failing to heal people. You know, he wasn't able to turn. Thing. He was just rolling like crap the entire game. And it's just one of those things. But it was funny because we. You, you know, obviously, said now that we're in this more desert environment, as his patrons shown him disfavor. Um, we, we did set it up as a, and this isn't anything to do with the module, but we said that this was a flashback because, you know, we're not at that point. We're in the middle of an adventure in a regular game. So we said that playing this one shot module free RPG day, we said it was a flashback in the player's history or the character's history. But in the game, we hadn't met yet. So the way we did that was that I, my wizard has a forget spell. So what we said was at the very end of the adventure, and actually thematically it made sense for me to cast forget at the end of at the end of the adventure. So I cast forget, and we just yes, Joe, we cheated, we fudged the dice. We didn't roll the dice, so we didn't we didn't cheat, we didn't fudge them. But instead of rolling the dice, we just said that my forget spell worked so well that everybody forgot my wizard was there. And that was why they didn't remember me, you know, when we met years later in the current adventure. But the Tomb of the savage Kings is a really neat adventure. I really enjoyed it. Of course, I'm a real big fan of the Mummy movies and all. I It's set up for four to five second-level characters. We went through with three fifth-level, which seems way overpowered, but... The other two players' characters really didn't contribute anything. I mean, BJ kind of solved all the puzzles, but, you know, what, puzzles aren't important. What's important is damage and killing things, and my wizard did all that. So, it, I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. But, um, yeah, it's a really fun adventure. So, once Goodman, if you couldn't get a copy of Free RPG Day, once Goodman Games starts selling it, I do recommend you go out and buy it because it's pretty fun. So, anyhow, that's my quick session recaps of that. And the reason I did these really, and again, go to BJ's podcast link in the show notes to hear a spoiler version of that adventure where he goes into great detail. But I'm doing these really quickly because I've got a guest on the show. Carl Rodriguez has joined me to talk about a new game of Pathfinder 2 that we've started. So now I'm going to go to that interview. And after that, we're just going to play the show out with, the, with TJ's ending tune. So thank you for joining me. If you have any feedback, You know, please call in, reach out to me, give me the feedback. I love it. I will have a regular feedback show next week. And yeah, get your contest entries in. Okay, let's go to my, let me switch over to talking with Carl about Pathfinder 2. And joining me for a session recap of Pathfinder 2 using Fantasy Ground Virtual Tabletop, and you guys know how much I love virtual tabletops, is Carl Rodriguez, the Geomologist Presents podcast. How are you doing tonight, Carl?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for Excellent. having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I had made a decision, and this is, bef- I haven't told you about this, but before you came on the show, when we started playing Pathfinder 2, this first session, you know, there's a couple growing pains because we're we're using a different VTT than we normally do. We're using Fantasy Grounds instead of Roll20, and it's a new rule set to a lot of us, Pathfinder 2 compared to some, you know, it's it's something different. So, But I I'd, I'd made a decision, I'm not going to talk negative about anything, because we're, you know, we're still in that learning process, and that's okay. But I think overall, the session went really well. I, I enjoyed the session. Most of the problems I had, honestly, and again, I'm not going to talk negative about anything. With Fantasy Grounds, I think Fantasy Grounds worked really well. There's a little bit of a learning curve. And then personally, I have a little bit of a tech problem, because I'm just running it off a small laptop. And really, with Fantasy Grounds, you need two monitors or a really big monitor and a mouse and for it to really flow right. So, But that's not Fantasy Grounds' fault. That's because I'm using it with equipment that's not optimal to use it, right? Overall, I think Fantasy Grounds did a great job. And I think the system is really neat. And I'm enjoying playing the game. The adventure so far is really neat. So why don't you tell everybody what we're doing with Pathfinder 2? Yeah,
1: so we're playing Pathfinder 2. We had debated... We wanted to play Pathfinder 2's kind of group and to fit into a, a bi-weekly game. And we were debating on the Discord, what do we want to run, what do we want to play? So we settled on uh, one of the, it's not the latest adventure path, but it's its uh, one of the more recent adventure paths for Pathfinder second edition called The Abomination Vaults. And the cool thing about this is it—it it is only three, there's only three books instead of six, which I think is good. So, we can bail out <laughs> a little earlier and not commit like six books and it only takes you to like level 11 or so um which is still okay because we get to experience some some of the at the very end some high level play the big explosions and lots of chopping through creatures one would think um or shooting like five arrows in one shot and t- you know whatever so <laughs> it gets pretty kind of crazy at the high end but the cool thing is it kind of it bleeds into another short adventure path for a higher level. So I think that's why we decided on Pathfinder uh, Abomination Vaults. And so so effectively, what I think is also cool about it is something that I I don't know. I feel like a lot of companies are doing suddenly recently. The old school community have done mega dungeons for a very long time. And the Abomination Vaults are a mega dungeon. Suddenly this this, um, old building or old relic It's nearby the town that you are based in. It lights up and people are scared. So they send the heroes to go investigate. And yeah, there's things to do in town. But I think a very interesting thing about this adventure, it starts you right there. You're like at the door. You're at the door to the dungeon. So go, right? And then we can fill in. And in a way, this kind of harkens back to what I like, always liked about older games. It's like, you know, people have given me their backstories or what have you, but how they interact and how they get together will become emergent because we're just going through a dungeon and and then we're falling back and going to town and getting a beer and talking about what happened in the dungeon, recruiting more people to go back in. So we had a, we had kind of like two encounters. Yeah. Maybe like Jason, like what maybe you hate all the time when a GM asks you this, Uh, tell me what happened in the adventure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you want to do that. I could maybe tell me what happened from your point of view now. So that's a setup for the adventure. And then uh, we had, we had like one small encounter, and then like a big running encounter, which was which I thought was interesting, uh, and that can touch on something else that that has been been bandied about or argued with on the Discord. Um. So so tell me from your point of view, you walk up to the gates of this ancient ruin that's falling apart. Um. You know that I think both you and another character took this uh, ruin delver background. That you know that a long time ago this adventuring band owned this keep. They're called the rose guard and lots of big explosions and destruction happened here.
0: but uh right well we should talk about the players right and the yeah, characters let's talk about, so well, not ahead,
1: the, talk players about the players as much
0: as the characters so so my character which of course is the hero of the story is goblin de la hood goblin dex based fighter who's concentrating on a bow he has a short bow right now because he couldn't afford a composite short bow and he has point blank shot, point blank shot for his initial f- feat as a fighter but He's the hero and the other characters there to kind of support him in this. But we have a, well, I'll let you describe the other players or the characters. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep saying so player, we have, but i mean character.
1: Yeah. We have two other players. Um, well, three and,
0: really, but one wasn't there.
1: Well, yeah. I guess we're going to have three other players, maybe four. Actually. Like, mm-hmm. We might have four other players. We'll see. It, it's okay. It's a, it's a mega dungeon. So I'm not worried about it because they can just be in town because town is like 30 minutes away, <laughs> you know? Which is kind of cool, right? It's Totally like village near near a ruin, like we've seen, you know, since uh since uh B one and B two, right? So, right. So um, so we can do drop in,
0: drop out play. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Like, so people, I mean, I don't know if we'll have like proper like west marches drop in, drop out, but if Mm -hmm. people don't show up and we have at least three, we can walk to the dungeon, right? So, um, hope. I mean, ideally, right? Hopefully, we don't get stuck somewhere, but um, and that's okay. The other players. Um, one is playing um, Anvil Dwarf, so like a like a, a equivalent of a, a dwarf who lives in the mountains, a mountain dwarf. He's a crafter. He's also a paladin, and um, and he's a kind of hammer and shield kind of guy, uh, armored up. Um, not all, not fully in plate armor, but uh, he he uh, his, he has a kind of. He did think about his backstory a bit. You know, he's a he's a crafter, which you don't necessarily expect in the paladin. But his family, he comes from a long line of, of craftsmen and they're ancient, they had an ancient dwarven thrower, which is a powerful, magical hammer that dwarves make and the family lost it. So his goal is to eventually be able to craft a dwarven uh, throwing hammer. So that should be pretty cool. And that'll, you know, that will be like an end goal to this mini set because you, you can't really do that until you're higher level. But it's kind of cool that this player has actually, you know, thought about, to his family, his Dorbin's family history, and what he wants to do, um, and the other player is uh BJ who uh, has the uh, Arcane Alienist podcast—and uh, I am so glad BJ was there. Just as a side, because he has played Fantasy Grounds before, and he helped us make the learning curve a little have a little smaller slope than it normally would. He really got us through a lot of hiccups uh, that we could have had. We could have could have been you know not as smooth as it actually ran. And he's playing a wizard who is not really from, he's like an out of towner and he is interested in, in body modification and flesh warping. So that's kind of what the extent of the background we have from him, uh, but they worked really well.
0: It, they did. And, and then we also, also Arlen Walker, live from Pelham's Wasteland is talked about joining and he was talking about playing a rogue of some sort. Right. So yeah, some sort of rogue, which
1: would be great. Yeah. yeah be great. I guess the only thing we won't have is a healer necessarily, but. A dedicated healer but we'll see yeah we'll we see in fact we player... had
0: to um skedaddle back town anyway because two of the characters were hurt two of the three characters in the in this initial session were hurt mm-hmm. and since we didn't have a healing we pretty much were we had to get back town anyway yeah. so it kind of worked out time wise but you you asked what happened so the so so we opened the doors we went in the initial the entrance there the guard tower basically the the ground floor of the guard tower there were of course, the dwarf and the goblin have dark vision, so they can see fine. But the human doesn't. But the human mage casts a light spell so he on, on his staff, so he's able to see. But anyway, there are cobwebs uh, up above, and there are some running boards and things up in the ceilings. And the and we heard some voices up there, and these little creatures that are called—they're
1: called mitflits. They're like a gremlin, like a gremlin, like a little blue gremlin.
0: Yeah. So they were up there, and and, and we. The dwarf knew their language, so he was talking to them a little bit, and they were, got a little s- smart with him, and he, and he lit a torch, like, oh, I'm going to burn you down otherwise, and they started throwing darts at us. So, you know, we in- entered into combat, and I took one out with a bow and arrow, and then one, one you of them was throwing the darts. Yeah, yeah, well, he, so, so actually, so they went first, and they, they were throwing the darts. And in Pathfinder 2, an interesting thing is if you do multiple attacks, you get penalties on your second mm-hmm. and third attack. Pathfinder two has a three action, yeah, three actions each round as a character. Well, one of these little guys, when he's throwing darts, he's throwing three darts around. Well, that multi-action penalty caught up to him and he's he had a failure and he slipped and he fell off the plank he was saying going into the webs to where the dwarf could reach him. So so that happened, and then another one, when he saw that, started skilling out through this hole in the ceiling, but he didn't quite get out before his movement ended. So I shot him in the butt. I shot him twice. He fell down. The uh, mage cast a spell. It was some kind of electric bolt or something.
1: It's like, a, like a lightning arc spell or something like that? Yeah, it hit yeah.
0: one, fried him, and then bounced over the other one and fr- fried yeah. him. The dwarf did not... Did he? He connected, I think. He hit the, the yeah, one sm- with his hammer.
1: Smashed him, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we killed him basically in one round, maybe two rounds. I think two rounds total it took us to take the three of them out. And um then we we, we looked through the bodies, didn't see a whole lot there, although we determined that th- their brains were useful for potions to speak with insects or something of that nature, the, the wizard decided. So he because he has alchemist kid or something and he was he had something to scoop the brains into. And, and, and we go See, through the
1: total total old school sensibility you collect everything
0: uh, oh 100 yeah I, I nibbled on their ears because you know i'm a goblin and and then but there's we, a
1: bounty on their ears probably
0: too uh, well i think we yeah we, i think we cut their ears off as well so we although though the one i nibbled on probably isn't worth as much but we, we went through the doors and it actually opened up it's interesting because we once went through the guard tower it opened up and there was like a, a moat And there's a drawbridge over a moat.
1: That They did see the dead body of a kobold, like on the bank. So it's something to explore when they come back, which would be really cool. They saw like um, from the guard tower, they saw like some vines draped across this like pond. And they realized, I think either both Jason and um, Jason's character and the dwarf uh, player's character, uh, their player characters noticed that the vines were kind of false right there had been strung up there to look. Natural, but they weren't. Uh, so there's some like little interesting clues of the denizens and what they've done to modify their environment.
0: But the bridge, the dwarf could tell, was, was structurally damaged there in the center. And um, so I kind of was able to get across because as a goblin, I'm a small creature, real lightweight. But the others, they they ended up knocking out this bad section in the middle of the bridge. And then they hopped over, which the human actually failed his, his role he was able to he was able to he barely made it he um i don't know what me- explain that mechanically what happened there
1: yeah so he tried to jump over failed his skill roll but then you get a saving throw to kind of last ditch before you fall into the drink right below and he kind of wobbled wobbled then fell forward mm-hmm. yeah, so uh so yeah he, just... he made a he made his reflex save it's they, it's like a three five uh system so you have uh instead of like in d and d5e where you're saving against your attribute, it's a, you know, traditional fort reflex will, or quote unquote, traditional <laughs> mm-hmm. Since 3.0, I guess, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. Watsi, your traditional Watsi Dindu. Yeah. And um so, so we get up to this, we open, we get up to the castle, I, I guess, proper. And yeah. We we open the doors, we, we go in and there, there's some more of these things and there's big piles of dung and a bunch of buildings, you know, scattered throughout the, like this courtyard And we get kind of this running fight that Carl mentioned. And they have these giant, what what was it? What was the giant insect? Was it a giant? It was like
1: a maggot. It it looked like a maggot.
0: maggot. Yeah, like a a big maggot.
1: Like probably like a larva for a giant fly.
0: Gotcha. So we got in this running fight and and we started fighting them. And they're running across from building to building. And there were some reinforcements coming out. And what ended up happening was that the dwarf ended up getting injured. And my character got injured by the giant maggot, actually. And um yeah. so eventually we got injured enough we had to withdraw after after killing quite a number of them. And um that that was kind of the session.
1: Yeah, it was kind We're of cool. On. So um and then this running battle I think was kind of cool because there's all there's been this ongoing, you know, debate on the Discord with the audio on the audio dungeon discord of the sort of quantum ogre effect where everything kind of stays in place and you automatically run into it. But I kind of feel like things should be more dynamic. So when, you know, when you see your, your, your companion creature get smashed in the head with a hammer, you might run and they'll get reinforcements. So that's what they started doing. So like the encounter in this one room where they were feeding this maggot from this, this pile of dung, one of the guys ran away and they didn't get to, they maybe injured him, but didn't get to, to tag him to kill him before he ran away. Like they did the one in the guard tower, but he ran into another room, called his buddies. They waited. There was another fight. They, some kept running eventually to like where the players like, we just don't want to keep going. because so I think he's leading us to his like leader or he's running to his leader. So we, they fell back um, after that. So I think it was, it was kind of cool. It was a basically, so two encounters because of that dynamic situation of trying to get reinforcements turned into one big encounter with, you know, quite a few foes. So I think that was kind of neat. It's, it's very, very much what I think a dungeon would be like to me, you know. Not just you, everyone waits behind the door. I mean, sometimes they might, but everyone like waits behind the door until you get there. They're doing whatever they're doing until you get there. That doesn't make sense to me, right?
0: No, I thought it was good. So Fantasy Grounds, this is the first time you, you've you run a game using, is the GM using Fantasy Grounds, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like I had to like study ahead of time. That was kind of weird. <laughs> just, and I actually I went over, BJ was incredibly generous with his time. And we actually did like a, a a test run of some of the features. Um, So it went, uh, it's still a little, like you don't remember everything the first time and you got to do it. But some things I thought, once you figure out the learning curve for Fantasy Grounds, it's actually pretty cool because a lot of things are built in on the back end. in that, so like you can take your dice and throw it over the target that you want to hit. It'll, you, you do that and automatically it calculates if you hit and then you do damage, you roll those dice over it, it takes the damage off the little token. So, so like in, you have to do a lot of this stuff manually in Rule 20 um, compared to Fantasy Ground. So this is done like it's very automated once you get it set up. So there's a lot of stuff you have to do on the front, but the back end is like automated. So you start once you learn it, you start running the game and it goes really well. I also like another cool feature, which is that you can set it up so that um, one thing that we've seen in some games is like when you have dynamic lighting, uh, players take their tokens and run all over the place. And you know, that kind of doesn't, that's not what would happen, right? Um, and, and that can be alleviated in two ways. One, you have like an actual exploration phase. And they do have that in Pathfinder. I think there's a whole section, like if we were just doing exploration, like
0: mm-hmm. if that hadn't
1: been a running dynamic encounter, then we would have gone into an exploration phase, kind of much like the turn exploration phase in a dungeon back in BX, you know. But uh in this, what I like here is that when a character uh, once a player wants to move their character, uh, the GM has to approve the move. So you don't have people running all over the place. Um, and it's also pretty good too, because it, it kind of calculates how much you can move. So I know something in uh, in Pathfinder, like it's like if you go diagonally, the first box is one, the second box is two. There's some to the power, to the square root of two formula, but the, it calculates it automatically for you, which is kind of nice too. So, I really did enjoy Fantasy Grounds. So I thought the dynamic lighting was really cool because you can also set up ahead of time, like your goblin and, and the dwarf uh, character had like dark vision. And then when um, BJ had his wizard turn on the light, he could turn on the light, you know? So, so that that was, it was, the dynamic lighting worked a lot better. Once you learn it, it's like the buttons, like you feel. The buttons are where they should be, if that makes sense. I don't know. To me, if the buttons are where they should be, I can roll 20 miles, like looking for where the hell is this or where the. And then you always get, I don't know. I'm not well, downing they, roll 20, but there are quirks mm-hmm. to roll
0: 20. Right. Well, the the other thing that was interesting that. So, roll 20 apparently does have the thing where you can make the character, they, they can't move until you give them permission. To, like, I oh, guess cool. you can enable that in roll 20. Well, okay. One thing this had that I haven't seen in roll 20 is with languages where That you was could, neat. Yeah.
1: We're, yeah, so you can you can select a language and then type out what that what the character might hear or the characters hear and then only characters with that knowledge of that language referring to their character sheet can understand what is said and everything else is
0: like gibberish. Right. I mean so you, like you could do mid- that with whisper in roll 20 yeah. but it wouldn't be the same.
1: Yeah, cuz then you could like other player other characters would hear that they just don't know what the hell like is going on so like these mythphlets spoke under common so the dwarf could understand it and the other pl- I'm surprised that goblin doesn't have that but
0: well if you know, I built out the languages of my goblin he might have understood it but I, yeah. I, I might have to go back and, re- and check
1: Wait. check that.
0: Yeah. yeah I might have to go back and check that hero lab was was closed that 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 day so I wasn't able they were domain so weird.
1: yeah so I'm excited um about running some Pathfinder 2. I tried and failed to run another adventure path. I uh, Just we just got a lot of. I think a lot of people got COVID fatigue. Um, but uh, now you know, I think this is good. We got a good group. Uh, one of the players is, is so like it's just like I have two co-GMs for different things in a way. So like uh, one of the players is incredibly savvy on the rules. So you know I I don't I'm I'm used to playing with this guy for so long. I don't care if he tells people what the rule is. I could look it up and I could tell people that. Let him do it, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's great that BJ is really has played fantasy grounds and been very helpful, helping us to GM, helping me to GM that. So,
0: well, well, the good <laughs> thing with like Pathfinder two and and yeah, this is something you know having like a, a, a like an expert in the rules is not a bad thing because in Pathfinder, and I'm assuming this would be Pathfinder two as well, but it's kind of like like D and D the you know your three five and all that, which of course I'm talking about things I've. Like you know, hardly, I haven't ever played 3.5. I played a little bit Pathfinder 2, a little bit of Pathfinder 1. But these are games where they're a lot more solidified as the rules, a lot more, you, you, you know, they're, they're, the rules are more concrete. So you're doing a lot less rulings. It's not saying there aren't rulings for you to make as GM, but the rules are the rules, right? So if, mm-hmm. if the rule says when you move diagonally, you, you do this one to you know this weird calculation yeah, yeah. that's the rules so if he knows all that stuff that's great because he's not cutting into your into your lane as a gm because mm-hmm. you're not house. You, th- these those aren't rulings yeah it's make not like he's GM. saying
1: yeah it's not like he's saying oh you can't have those you didn't make your morale check so you can't have those let run away right yeah because that's, that's part of the narrative that's like you know that's your joe richter i, I prepared what these features are going to do thing as right. opposed to rolling on a t- randomly on the table so you know that's yeah, what so they're having. Having the do rules
0: expert is a good thing, actually.
1: Right. Yeah. And that helps me, honestly, mm-hmm. to focus. Um, yes, I know the rules, and, but let him communicate that while I look something up about the adventure. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so I, I thought it worked really well. I, I, I enjoyed the group. I enjoyed the dynamic. And I'm definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to f- future sessions of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, thank you for coming on talk about that, Carl. I really appreciate yeah.
1: it. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And, folks, if you want to hear, more recaps from all the games Carl's in, because Carl plays in a lot more games than I do, definitely go over and check out Geomologist Presents. He does unboxings. He does recaps. He sings. He tap dances. He does all kinds of stuff over there. You, you definitely want to go check yeah, that I out. Yeah, tap
1: dance to the uh, the tunes of TJ Drennan.
0: That's right. He's got yeah. music from TJ Drennan. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a real podcast now. I mean, as soon as you get that.
1: Yeah, I just need, I need some art front art instead of a weird picture of me that's only half my face
0: (laughs) it'll come it takes time (laughs) yeah but but again thank you for coming on and i'll talk to you again soon
1: yeah talk to you soon who's on the
0: phone who's on the phone who's on the phone Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming, it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I'll see leaving dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the gold. Your riser, that's your moral is by the tipper, and I'm assuming that your partner back there in the woods chipper. Don't look away, don't look away Don't look away, don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck buddy Jason here normally this would be a listener feedback episode but that's actually going to happen next week I decided instead to put out a session recap episode because I have three fun sessions I want to talk about there is gratuitous dog barking in the beginning of the show so be aware of that also I downplay Otto the Dwarf's involvement in the Dungeon Crawl Classics game When we fought the big monster at the end, he did hit it and get a critical that would have killed it in eight rounds. I think a D8 rounds, according to the the rules. But that's not really important because my wizard stole the hero. Again, these are spoiler-free recaps, so don't worry about listening to the show. Okay, let's get into it.